Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another Network Classic right here on Primetime with Sean Mooney as we continue our series here of uh, some of the great, great uh, classic shows that aired uh, with the WWF uh, slash WWE uh, during the uh, 80s and 90s. This uh, episode, once again, Saturday night's main event, which uh, we really enjoy doing these episodes because they delivered on these as far as uh, giving you the star power. And this episode takes place, uh, well, it was actually taped on September 13th, 1986 at the Richfield Coliseum in uh, Richfield, Ohio. Uh, but, uh, we're, you know, we're basically talking Cleveland here. And it didn't air until about three weeks later. Um, it aired on October 4th, 1986 on NBC. And there's a note here on the, no- on the notes. And, uh, of course, I want to uh, give a shout out to uh, Blog of Doom. Uh, dot com supplying these notes on these episodes they're really great i mean anytime you want to go back and look at some of the episodes that have uh, uh come from the, the the archives of the world wrestling federation uh, uh or wwe of course uh you can go back in and, and uh, very very detailed notes on exactly when and where these happened who was there uh, the matches and then there's some uh, interesting commentary from the folks at blogofdoom.com so uh, anytime you want to get the details on a show that happened back in the day, uh, check out blogofdoom.com. So uh, getting back to this one, it's an episode of Saturday Night's Main Event, and it aired on October 4th, 1986. There's a note here that, uh, you know, it aired on the network, NBC. And uh, for those of you, uh, there's probably very few of you, but, you know, just like to get it all out there so that uh, in case anybody is wondering, uh, these programs replace Saturday Night Live. And if uh, you recall, uh, and I think they still do it, but uh, back back then, uh, they would have uh, episodes of Saturday Night Live every you know Saturday. And they would take uh, what they call like a hiatus. They'd take a break here and there because they did these shows live. And, uh, you know, so they, could, they couldn't do it every single week. The cast needed a break. And so uh, five or six times a year, they would, uh, you know, go on hiatus. And prior to that, they had, um, you know, prior to that, they would put something else, like a repeat of one of the episodes. But Dick Ebersol, at the time, realized that there was a big opportunity here. He saw back, you know, in, in, uh, before 1985, he saw what was going on with the World Wrestling Federation, and Vince McMahon and all of the superstars and how the, the, you know, how it was building and what Vince was doing in the world of professional wrestling and how he had crossed that line really into mainstream entertainment. They had hooked up with um, MTV. And if you were around then, you know how just how huge MTV was with the, the videos and, and uh, what they were doing. And uh, they had what they called rock and wrestling, uh, which involved a lot of the uh, crossover into the world of, uh, of uh, rock music and um Really, it was just a, a great run and leading right into WrestleMania. And then, you know, the rest was history as uh, Vince gambled everything on it. But Dick Ebersol, a very, very smart uh, individual and uh, very, very uh, uh, wise when it came to uh, network television. He was one of the originators that uh, uh, helped create Saturday Night Live and other programming with the network. And he saw what was going on here. Now, he was, uh, he was a, uh, a wrestling fan as well. But more than that, he just knew that uh, you could turn this into something. You could take advantage of it and and get ratings. And what does ratings mean? Ratings means money for the network. 
So they were able to persuade the network to allow uh, the WWF to come in and produce a program during these uh, hiatus periods. And they did uh, tremendously well for the time. Now, ratings these days, it's, it's kind of hard to really get a, a good uh, take or really to understand what a big number would be. But, um, you know, this was before cable really took off. So the networks were king. For them to pull a number like a 9-4, which says in these notes, was pretty damn good back then. And, uh, uh, you know, the thing about it was is that the WWF knew it was a big platform for them because they were reaching an audience they wouldn't normally get the opportunity to reach. You're talking millions and millions of people. So if that would translate into bringing people out to these house shows, which, as I've mentioned before, at this point in time in the history of the company, this is where they made a lot of their money. They were doing just endless numbers of of house shows, and that's how the superstars made their money. They got a piece of the gate uh, when people showed up for these. So uh, it was a, a tremendous promotional tool, but they knew if they were going to attract those people, they had to really give them something to watch. It wasn't like on Superstars and Challenge where we would see those squash matches where you'd have a guy come out, big-time superstar, and he would come out and they'd have some jobber that he would beat the living crap out of, and it would just show how awesome he was. And then they'd throw in a few promos in there of whoever the other guy he was going with at these house shows. Well, if they tried that on on this platform, boy, they would, it would have died. So they really, really had to deliver to attract the audience. Now, you wouldn't necessarily be able to see these matches uh, at uh, in a house show because they wanted to make them unique, but you know, you might you'd see them going up against other guys though, and 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 in many cases he would. So just for example, with this uh, lineup, and it's a really good one for um, you know, for them, uh, it, it, the people that were watching this, it was uh, you know uh, Hulk Hogan, who was the WWF World Champ, uh, takes on uh, Paul Orndorff. And uh, this, it's, a, it's a good long match. It's about 10 minutes long, which is a lot for a show like this. And then also we've got Ricky Steamboat, who was one of the all-time favorite baby faces. Uh, to this day, I think people, I mean, if they were doing a Mount Rushmore for baby faces, uh, he, would, he would definitely have to be on there. And he faces Jake the Snake Roberts, which they had a feud for a long time during this period. And it gets a little crazy in this one, of course, you know, that Jake is going to have the the Python, he's going to have Damien, but uh, Ricky has a little surprise for Jake as well in this. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper is really riding a wave of popularity, and uh, nobody really knows what to make of Roddy at this point. Um, I, the, you know, I, I think they called him a tweener at that time because uh, before Stone Cold, there was uh, Ricky, there was Roddy Roddy Piper, and uh, Piper, you know, he he rode that line of uh, heel and and uh, and babyface because. He would do despicable things to people, but uh, all in the name of justice, basically. I mean, Roddy was very good at that. And, uh, you, you know, you can talk all you want about how Stone Cold kind of destroyed and blurred that line between heel and babyface. But Roddy was doing it long before that because uh, people might not, might not like what Roddy would do sometimes, but they felt for him and they knew that at heart he thought he was doing what was best in their mind. So uh, it's really great to see him up in this matchup because he's got, he goes against Iron Sheik and he's supposed to be devastatingly hurt. Uh, and yet he has uh, such a such heat with these uh, Don Morocco and uh, and the Sheik and, and uh, you'll see the other cast of characters in this that uh, he wills himself 
to be involved in this. And that gets a little crazy. And he is out of his mind in his promos on this one, which I think you're going to enjoy a lot. Then you've got a, uh, a tag team uh, matchup between uh, the now champions, the British Bulldogs, uh, David Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid, as they face um, you know that dream team uh, back then uh, of Brutus, the Barber Beefcake, and Greg the Hammer Valentine. And you know, I don't know because it wasn't long lived uh, that a lot of people remember the the teaming of these guys or uh, what kind of an impact it had. But it worked. It worked really well. I thought that they they worked uh, well together. This is when uh, Valentine was uh, still pretty agile in the ring. He hadn't really started slowing down yet. And um, and these guys, all four of these guys, for whatever reason, had really good chemistry when they had these matches. They they really did have good matches. You can't explain it sometimes. You wouldn't think of it. I mean, if somebody told me you're going to put uh, Davy Boy, a Dynamite Kid in the ring, and they're going to face Brutus and Greg as a tag team, and it's going to be a really good matchup, or they're going to have really good matches, I would have thought, what, really? Because I wouldn't think, first of all, that Brutus and, and Valentine would be a great pairing, and... Uh, you know, and 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 uh, the Dynamite Kid and and, and Davy Boy are just, but they're all over the ring. They're they're powerful, and I don't know. I just wouldn't have thought that. Boy, we're going to see a great match there because I didn't think that Beefcake and Valentine could keep up. But anyway, they uh, this is uh, three falls, so this is fun, and uh, it lasts a while. This takes up most of the show, uh, as you're going to find out. And then we've got uh, kind of a, a throwaway match at the end between Kamala and Lanny Poffo. So um, another thing to really pay attention to in this is uh, at the top of the show, they have this um, lineup of, of uh, promos and they're all good. I, I really, I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I just thought they were all really good. And uh, it's not Gene doing them. These are guys who are just cutting promos for these matchups. And uh, every one of them, I think, w- was really good. And you get to see some people you don't get to see very often. I'll leave it at that. So uh, what do you say we get to this? Uh, it's uh, Saturday night's main event from October 4th, 1986. Uh, you know how the uh, this all works. You go to the WWE Network. You click on in-ring. Uh, once you get to the in-ring page, scroll down until you get to featured. And then you're going to scroll over um, and uh, you're going to get to Saturday night's main event. That icon there, click on that. And then where it'll say, uh, you know, featured, you, you take... Uh, um, uh, find the year, the drop down there to 1986. Click on that and then find October 4th, 1986. And then you're at the episode. So I know many of you may already be there because uh, you know it's coming, but men, uh, many of you may not be. So I'm going to give you a chance here to get all queued up uh, and, and uh, we'll take a pause here. So uh, come back when you're all ready to go and we'll get into this a fun episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. Okay, ready? Let's pause. And we're back. And so I know all of you are queued up and ready for this episode. As uh, I mentioned, uh, they, they, they there's some great promos as we lead into this thing. But uh, I like the way they mixed it up. They didn't fall into this, uh, you know, how some shows get, you know, you can expect... Uh, a cold open, and then you could uh, you're going to get the big arena shot, and then you're going to go to the floor with uh, Vince and Jesse, who is back uh, back on uh, Saturday night's main event after a little time out there. Um, so uh, he's got it sporting a new look and everything. 
But uh, every show they tried to make different, and I, I thought I, I appreciated that they didn't really fall into to a you know a formula, and that way you never really knew what to expect when you tuned into these shows. So uh, let's get to it. Uh, remember uh, Saturday night's main event from October fourth, nineteen eighty six on NBC. Here we go. Three, two, one, play. Jesse is back. All yours. Yeah. I like that look with Jesse, you know, mixing it up a little bit. We got Jake in the shower with Damien. And look at, uh, you know, for Jake, man, he's looking, uh, that's about as buff as he got. And he uh, obviously had lost some weight. Wasn't sporting that uh, pot belly there. And, uh, I just don't know. I would never let that snake that close to my face. You see that they have the snake tongue and they spit the next one out. And Johnny Valiant here cuts a great promo. They do. Uh, I really like this one. And uh, you got Greg and Brutus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got the uh, the wizard there with Kamala. Kamala doesn't have to do much here except look a little bewildered and scary. And he's going to pull that off. Okay, so here comes the next promo right out of his mouth. Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mr. One Derfall. They had a little issue where, I don't know, maybe they they probably had a, a boom mic here and didn't get it close enough. But the audio is a little, little uh, distant. I think that's one way to put it. Okay, and the Hulkster. You know, I was looking at this, and do you think that they painted those lockers to match the Hulk yellow, or they just got lucky? <laughs> I don't know. But we're going to see uh, Hogan taking on Orndorff. You got uh, Steamboat uh, taking Jake Roberts on the ring. Uh, Roddy Piper, as I mentioned, going up against the Iron Sheik. And we get into the open. Here we go. Remember, in these opens, they put everybody pretty much who's going to be in the show. So you're going to see all the stars. Of course, the Hulkster starts it here. Then you got Roddy, Orndorff, little action there, Sheik, Brutus, and the Hammer, Kamala, and then Jake. And there was that uh, that DDT. Remember when Ricky got slammed to the cement? And Bobby Heenan. It's going to take a few bumps tonight. I have a feeling. And there we are. We are at the Richfield Coliseum in Richfield, Ohio. As Vince McMahon refers to where they are as Cleveland. And Jesse back uh, without the bandana on the head showing off the dome. Uh, and you, and uh, I'll tell you what, they did miss Jesse on this show because, uh, as I've mentioned many times, these two guys work well together. And, uh, you know, as he starts out this whole thing, you got Jesse saying, you know, this show is nothing without me here. And Vince's like, well, I don't know about that, but, you know. And we're going to get into uh, this, have this thing going throughout here with uh, Roddy Piper. It's Gene Oakland with Roddy. 
as uh, we make it obvious that that's the knee that was hurt. And they're talking about when this happened back in September as they uh, really go after him as Morocco holds on to that. You got Adonis, Adrian Adonis pounding away with that metal chair on his knee and Orton. So he's got a serious knee injury. Some goofball in a dress. I think we know who he's referring to there, Adonis. So Roddy is, uh, yeah, he's a little fired up, you think? They say, oh, the doctor, it's not You can go out and deliver somebody's baby. Eyes are bugging. Oh, no, see, he's saying, I'm not, uh, you're not going to hold me back. So maybe, maybe you think we might see him in the ring? I think I already gave that away. (laughs) Gene, I always love what Gene would do that, you know, kind of pulls on the the neck there. it's It's a little hot in here. And we got the big monitor there in the box for their behind shot. And uh, we take a look back at New York, August 1986, a few months here. Remember, it's October and Orndorf. Pile drives Hulk Hogan. Orndorf is a strong dude, man. Yeah. Hulkster waiting for this one. Oh, my. They used to be friends, remember? So now we got to get back on track here as we lead into this matchup with uh, Hulk Hogan facing Paul Orndorff. And remember, when you're doing shows like this, it's not like watching a show at a house. They uh, they give you the good stuff early, as uh, you're going to see. And they kind of let it uh, trail off as it goes on. So you get the best right up front. Uh, which is kind of interesting. I mean, you want people to keep watching, but they had great matches in this one, so they could do this, uh, uh, even though they they wrap it up with the Kamala Pafo match, which just doesn't last seconds, it seems. But the Hulkster, you know, right off the bat here, ready to go. Still pitching the Hulkamaniacs. This is all going. The wave is... At its peak right now. We're talking 1986. Oh boy. Time is coming. This is kind of an interesting look at the from behind. uh, And Jesse, uh, as usual is uh, kind of the friction and everything that is going on and going to help sell the the dark side of these as Bobby Heenan comes out with Orndorff as uh, Gene tries to get this exclusive interview. Oh boy, that's strong. 
And I think a lot of people uh, forget just how uh, how much heat these two had and how well this worked. I mean, they, they had a, a great feud, I thought. And uh, Warndorf was in such, he was in great shape. And he, he boy, could he work. It was a, a great period. And, and uh, you know, and it just added to his persona by having Bobby Heenan next to him because uh, Bobby certainly could turn up the thermostat as Hulk Hogan gets set to take on Mr. Orndorff. This is not a title match. So, here we go, but it doesn't matter, right? Now, why are they playing Hulk's music, though, as Orndorff comes out? A um, little, little interesting there. Yeah. Stealing. They're saying he's stealing his music. Oh, and uh, Jess said, what's wrong with that? Oh, come on, Jesse. Really? You can just play anybody's music? I think that uh, there'd be a lot of people that have a problem with that. All right. As now they're waiting. Oh, boy. Gene just gets tossed out of the way. That's how intense, you know, and he was uh, he was tight with... Mean Gene, but not not tonight, man. He's got business. <laughs> yeah, see see how Gene helped sell that too, man. Did a little jump, little help. So uh, they didn't have to change the music; they just kept it playing. Maybe turn it up a little more. That's really funny, though. I love that with Gene. <laughs> It was like it was there, like they were doing the polka. And you got uh, Hulkster stepping in. Look at shaking them ropes. They're all bouncing. And here we go. Off comes the belt. And now we get to action. Oh, boy, Orndorff going right after the Hulkster. Oh, yeah. And that's Joey Morella, the third man in the ring there. Gorilla's son. And uh, Bobby distracting, distracting him, and, and that is enough to allow Orndorff to send Hulk Hogan right over the top rope with that clothesline. Flips him right out, and then Orndorff goes, goes right after him. It's a big shot. It's a couple of kicks. Hulk fights his way back up, but not getting there yet. Big block by Hulk Hogan. Turns things around. And it's Orndorff who kisses the canvas there. As Hulk Hogan seizes control, a couple of chops, and just staggers him. Rubbery legs, as Vince says, a boxing term. <laughs> yeah. now he's getting a tour of the ring.
Head butt down goes Orndorff into the corner there. That's all that held him up with those ropes. And a clothesline that just lifts him right off his feet. And Heenan, oh man, he takes a right. Bobby, man, he could take a bump. As uh, we, you know, we've, we've talked about before, Bobby uh, knew his way around the inside of a ring and had uh, wrestled matches early in his career and was always ready when called upon to take a really good bump. And Heenan, of course, working for his man, distracted Hulk Hogan, allowed him to turn this match around again. And Hulk Hogan's one in trouble right now. Oh, man. Just getting pounded on. Those boots to the face is like a guillotine here. Oh, man. Oh, that that couldn't have felt good. He's wrapping a cable around the neck of Hulk Hogan. Wish they would have had a better shot of uh, Hulk Hogan when he came out of the ring because he uh, took out that whole area, man. Tables, chairs, everything. <laughs> Here comes Arndorf. Slams into the side of Hulk Hogan's head. And there's Nelson Swegler at the end of the table there. He's the only one who stuck around. Everybody else skedaddled. Nelson's been a guest on Primetime with Sean Mooney. He's uh, basically production coordinator. Uh, what, uh, he did everything. They needed an ostrich. Nelson would find you one. Drives that uh, knee right into the throat of Hulk Hogan. And the champ in big trouble. Good crowd, too. There's a full house there at the Richfield Coliseum. It's so funny when I hear these uh, arenas. I, you know, they just come right back into my brain. They were drilled into it for so long. Just uh, Rosemont Horizon, Joe Louis Arena. Uh, I mean, just all of them uh, are still in there. <laughs> We used to do those matches all over the country. Suplex and a good one by Orndorf. And that's another thing in these shows, you know, uh, Hulk knew he had to give a, they had to have a good match. You wouldn't uh, necessarily see him do these kind of moves elsewhere because he was protecting himself and, didn't need to, to uh, raise the roof on a lot of these houses, but uh, they all knew they had to give something extra for these shows, and they did. They wanted to. They knew how big of a stage it was. You know, many, many millions across the country watching this. And Body Slam and Heenan just uh, really getting involved in this match. Hulk miss, uh, makes uh, Orndorff miss, and he goes out over the top rope. 
And uh, yeah, Jesse offers a, a very uh, clear, a very clear uh, explanation. But now they've they've sent. Uh, police officers to the ring uh, to stop Bobby Heenan from his interference. So you didn't see this happen very often. He's going to be physically carried <laughs> from ringside. And Orndorff trying to intervene here, saying, what are you doing? You can't take him. And the cops will have none of it. A little mess of those uh, Cleveland cops. As uh, the Hulkster waves Heenan bye-bye. As an outraged Heenan being carried, physically carried from ringside, Orndorff's like, what the hell's going on? They can't just take him. What did he, what, what crime did he commit? And uh, Jesse's saying the same thing. Like, this is a uh, disgraceful. But anything can go when, uh, when, you know, you're doing Saturday night's main event. And Heenan now locked uh, out, not allowed to go back out to ringside. Flat foot. <laughs> and we're back. Not much has changed. Heenan's still outraged. Barney. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that honey may have helped, uh, you know, it's better than vinegar, Bobby. Uh, and I can tell you right there, just by taking a look at that uh, dome there, that, that was Howard Finkel at ringside. Orndorff continues the offense here, dishing out the punishment to Hulk Hogan. And Jesse says he's impressed by Orndorff and what he's doing here. And uh, this feud they had went on for quite a while, as I was saying before, that, uh, you know, I really thought it worked well. I mean, I think they worked really well together. I thought Orndorff was uh, a great, great worker. I mean, he, uh, not to mention the, the great physique, the way he looked, but he worked well, I thought, with Hogan. And Hogan uh, gave, you know, they had some really good matches. I mean, as much as, as Hulk would uh, deliver as far as rings go, and then it's a Backbreaker. But you'd see a lot more going on in these matches than you'd usually see in a Hulk Hogan match. There's a cover to where the Hulkster kicks out. Well, yeah, Jesse always has a great point. Saying uh, if he loses to Orndorff, how's he going to explain this? There's a clothesline, takes Hulk Hogan down. Yeah, and uh, as we'd seen there back in September, he'd already pulled off a pile driver with a Hulkster, well over 300 pounds, but it's Hulk who turns it around and flips Orndorff over, and he lands hard on his back, and uh, that did some damage. But he's not going to give the Hulkster any chance to continue to recover. Now, here we go. You got the Hulkster, the reach down. He's doing the reach down. Where's this coming from? As these blows seem to just add him, add more energy to the Hulkster, more determination. Block and there. Now it's the Hulkster's turn. Some big rights. And down goes Orndorff. 
Remember, Heenan's not at ringside to do any type of distraction. There's an elbow right to the center of the forehead. And uh, right now, Orndorff doesn't know where he is. Is it Cleveland or Richfield? Where are you? (laughs) And here we go. Another clothesline and just really takes Orndorff down down there. Feeding off the crowd. And they are loud, man, if if you listen. This is this crowd is fired up. They, they didn't have to sweeten this one. And also, you, you can really tell by how much movement you see with the crowd at ringside. And Adonis comes in out of nowhere and makes a mistake of coming in and really, really upsets Hulk Hogan. Orndorff drives a knee right to the back of Hulk Hogan. And Piper, out of nowhere... With Adonis and uh, Orndorff try and keep up this assault. And uh, Piper's, uh, it's not like he's a, a, an ally of Hulk Hogan. So you know that this is driven more than he wants to get a hold of Adonis. And a big crutch as he swings and oh, he even tries to go after Hulk Hogan. And uh, maybe that was just the heat of passion. Maybe Hulk Hogan saying, you know, I don't think, maybe you didn't mean that. Maybe you didn't mean that with the crutch, dude. So let's chill. I know you wanted to get those two. Yeah. And Piper's, uh, look, I'm not here to fight you, basically. I was just uh, fired up. You're not taking the crutch? And, uh, yeah, Jesse's saying, what the heck's going on here? Uh, what is he, uh, he come out to help Hulk Hogan, or was it he just wanted to take advantage of an opportunity to go after Adonis and Orndorff? We don't know, but Hogan must pose, and he does. As uh, We get a DQ here. And Hulk Hogan, give the crowd what they want. So Jesse continues to rail on Piper and like, what the hell was he doing out there? Uh, He's saying his his judgment has been impaired. But I don't think it was more, uh, I think it was more of him just taking a chance to uh, destroy Adonis and Orndorff. And as I've said, uh, Roddy was one of the one of those that could walk that line between heel and babyface. Nobody really knew where he was, but they uh, didn't matter. He was over, and he was over big time. Roddy was over big time. Okay, as they uh, jam this arena, he just announced there's like twenty four thousand. They're up in the rafters there, so folks, it is a legit full house. As we're going to uh, take a timeout, but uh, not before we get a opportunity. Now, I said they're going to bring their animals here. There was a surprise. I think you got to saw it there. But Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Jake the Snake Roberts. 
and uh, a very intense Jake Roberts heading into the ring. And, uh, of course, there's uh, no better place to do an interview than in the shower. Oh, the acoustics are good, right? No, a little echoey. So? What are we doing in this shower? (laughs) Oh, boy, Ricky's out. Ricky's out. This is right after that, so... A really frightening incident that happened where uh, they had no mats at ringside and Jake uh, DDT'd Ricky Steamboat. And man, it was, uh, that was scary. I mean, he was legit out. He uh, did not get his hand up in time to protect his head and it uh, went right into the cement and uh, he was out. Sick man, Roberts. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh boy, Jake with the last word. Gene, I can't believe that insult. What's he got? What's he got in the bag? They kind of kind of gave it away in that. Uh, graphic before we came back what he's got it right there oh boy that's his uh dragon might be an alligator or croc not quite sure but uh you know jake's gonna bring a a python he's gonna bring his dragon uh even though he has to keep that uh, those jaws tied up uh, these are two great, yeah, these guys are great superstars, so you know that this is going to be a good match. Any any match Steamboat was in, you know it was going to be a good one, and Jake, well, I mean, he could, boy, he could work too. So here we go. It's not going to be a real long one, I mean, it's, but uh, they're going to make the most of this time for sure. Steamboat, twisted away. Oh, it takes Jake right over. In for a quick cover, but uh, that's not going to last long. Arm drag into the arm bar there. So Steamboat uh, definitely uh, in control right from the start here. Oh, boy. Look, he's taking him over to the bag, and Jake's like, what the hell's in there? What do you got in there? Reverse. Steamboat. Oh, it looked like an ice skating move. (laughs) Dirty dancing. (laughs) WWF style. Time of my life. (laughs) Nobody puts baby in a corner. Uh, Steamboat staying all over Jake here. Uh, curious what's over the bag. Uh, you know, I don't know that you're twisting my arm up, but I want to see what he's got in that bag. And you know something's alive in there. Well, Jake uh, got to be a little wary throughout this one. Pokes him in the eye. Eyes. What's the about? Very quick on his feet. Gets out of the way as uh, Roberts charges in. 
catapults Jake into the turnbuckle. Takes him down with a little forearm to the head. And uh, yeah, Jake in good shape here. Look at that. That belly is nice and flat. And here comes Ricky Steamboat. Oh, man. Jake gets the knees up. And you know that had to be painful. My goodness. Mm, boy. But Jake, you know, still suffering here. So it's not like he's been able to get up and mount his own uh, comeback here. So uh, he's going to go look for a little assistance. But remember, Steamboat's got his own little surprise in a bag. And uh, Jake doesn't want to see that. So he rushes over. Is it cover now? But just it just gets two. Yeah, Steamboat boy nursing those ribs, man. Took a hard shot when he came off the top turnbuckle. There he goes into the ropes. Puts that shoulder right into the uh, midsection of the steamboat. Jake with a right there to the jaw of Ricky. Short clothesline. Takes... Steamboat off his feet. There he goes. See if he can get it. One, two, and nope. Dragon still with a lot uh, left in the tank here. Keeps it going. Coming up. And slam there. Takes it by hard, hard to the canvas. Just trying to take advantage of the situation that, oh man, now working on the other side. Yep, as Jesse said, man, that's a smart move. That's exactly what you should be doing. You got uh, bad ribs on one side. Let's make the others match. As ref moves in here to try and break this hold, illegal. Hold, I should say. And uh, Jake said, no, no, I'll give you an opportunity to come back. Get up. And those, uh, they slim and trim Jake Roberts. Chop right to the throat. As they continue back and forth, big knee takes Steamboat right off his feet, but he pops back up. Jake Roberts, just brutal. There goes the cover. Steamboat able to get out of that one, too. So it won't be long, though, before we're going to see some unveiling here between uh, those two bags in the corner. That's an all right match, right? Atomic drop. Yeah. 
as they continue, but both hanging on here. Uh, into the ropes. That's a leg scissor there. Pulls him on. He, oh man, gets the. Wow, what a finish here. That crucifix. Ah, uh, but uh, Jake not accepting the end result of this. At least not without dishing out some vengeance. Drives him into the ring post, right into the spine. Doing it again three times. Put Steve back of the ring. It's a ref. Uh, it's just has no control whatsoever as he tries to don't do it, don't do that. But <laughs> well, uh, yeah, sure. But is Steamboat going to get to his little surprise here? Wait a minute. What's going on? Where's the reveal? There we go. And uh, the croc doesn't have, whoa. Yeah, that is a dragon tonight. (laughs) As Jake decides to hightail it. And he lets that thing loose in the ring. Which I'm sure made people a little bit nervous, man. Where's he going? As Howard announces that uh, Steamboat is victorious. Along with his companion. But come on, you can't say you didn't like that. Great stuff. And, uh, yeah, we're not done seeing the Hulkster yet. Let's say take the break. Red, white, and blue. And once again, Hulk uh, Hogan uh, busy with uh, Hulk Hogan. or I mean, not Hulk Hogan, with Gene Okerlund. Yeah. The he didn't apologize for throwing him out of the way. It looked like he just got out of the shower. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Heenan, that uh, even after they had him uh, physically removed from ringside by. Uh, Richfield's finest. So uh, we, we obviously haven't seen the last of this uh, feud that's going on between Hulk Hogan and, uh, of course, Paul Orndorff. Uh, So uh, Hulk Hogan not happy with Bobby Heenan, and I imagine they see one another uh, anytime soon. It's not going to turn out well for the Weasel. 
So uh, he's been on added to the list. Well, here we go. Oh, boy. All right, back to ringside, Vince. Oh? Jesse, uh, always say the... Uh, he's always the devil's advocate, let's say. Uh, you know, always sees a different view of things. And uh, a lot of times uh, he had a point. You didn't have to agree with him, but he had a point. That's what I like the way Jesse did things. You know, he it wasn't just crazy. I'm just always for the heel. He had like justification for what he did. Look at that limousine. That was a brand new limo back then. Ah, yes, the slickster. And the chic. Well, got to keep the sheik happy because uh, you know he's got a lot of things to do. He's he's got to work the he's got to uh, work those pins. You know he's got to he's got to uh, do a little too much party in the hotel rooms. But the sheik man, look at I me. Mean, he was a freaking specimen. That guy, jeez, he could do it. And, and what a super heel. What a just an incredible heel. And the Slickster, one of the best managers out there. You got to admit, man, he was great. And what I loved about it, he was so different. All these managers were so different than one another. The Shiki. Look at this. The Shiki. Okay, so this is uh, supposed to be scheduled Pedro Morales against the Iron Sheik. Now, uh, Pedro wasn't doing much at this point in time, and uh, look who comes out. It's Roddy Piper. Uh, So what's going to go on here is uh, who knows because he's got the crutch back. But, uh, you know, this uh, whole thing's going on with Morocco, Adonis, uh, the Sheik. Get ca- got caught in the middle of it. Pedro, Pedro's like, I'm out. I'm uh, whatever. And, oh, man, big crutch across the back. And just pounding away. As he takes out the Sheik and Slick is like, uh, no, he doesn't want any part of this. Sheik momentarily recovers as uh, he rips the shirt and then uses it to strangle Piper. And uh, the Sheik knows where to go, man. He goes after that bad knee. Keeps pounding away. And uh, the uh, Sheik... You can just see you can see the marks on his back from that crutch. And Piper quickly reverses this with a small package and got the count. She can't believe he got himself trapped into that. Oh man, and he's just crazed. 
Well, and then Jesse questioning, you know, is he really hurt or is he just playing this up? And Sheik's like, I, he can't believe it. He came out there thinking he was going to destroy Pedro Morales and he ends up getting a crutch across the back and rolled up by Piper and loses the match within a matter of seconds. It wasn't even a minute long. I don't know how this one's going to hold. He wasn't the legal man. Boy, he did take a shot. Look at that. So Piper dishing out vengeance whenever he gets a chance. And uh, there's a few others that he still has to get settled with. Adonis should be a little bit nervous, and so should Don the Rock Morocco and Cowboy Bob Orton. But we got to move on, folks. We got to get to this uh, tremendous tag team match about to come up. It's Johnny Valiant. So we're looking back here to a tag team match at WrestleMania 2, which was, uh, you know, that previous April. And uh, as you know, then that's when the Bulldogs got the tag team belts. Dynamite Kid and David Boy Smith. And uh, here's the Dream Team. Valentine and Brutus, who were the previous champions. Boy, uh, poor Gene taking some abuse here tonight. Wow. Told, accused of selling encyclopedias. and Wow. So, uh, Gene trying to get to the bottom. What happened? What's going on? How did this all happen out there? Yeah. What was that? It's like a, that wasn't like, that was like a soda. That wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was like a Coke. <laughs> Uh, that wasn't, uh, that was kind of ill-advised. But Roddy would just do stuff like that. I'll tell you, that wasn't, uh, you know, he may have known he was going to do that, but I don't think Gene did or anybody else. And that's just how he, he rolled. I mean, he just would want to, you know, take take advantage of a situation and just go with it. He probably had no idea what he was going to say either going into this. Well, see, he's saying, yeah, I may be hurt, but uh, you're not going to stop me. Oh, well, there you go. So the uh, the the level of heat has uh, definitely been raised here, and we saw what he did to the sheik's back. So this is uh, this is this has got some serious heat behind it. Yeah. And that Coke works well as a hair gel. <clears throat> yeah. Jesse says there's only one answer to this. The guy's out of his mind. All right, there we've got the uh, former tag team champions. Greg the Hammer Valentine, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, ready to take on the current champs. Davey Boy Smith, 
and Dynamite Kid. Boy, I tell you, man, what? How many interviews did, did Gene do during these shows? I mean, like one, two, like, like six. Uh, he's good, yeah. Like you said, whatever that was. British Bulldogs, ready to face the Dream Team as we get right into this one. And Atomic Drop, and then uh, gets a shot from Davy Boy. The headbutt, and he's playing a little ping pong here with Valentine. European rules? How is that different than American rules? The chop as Valentine bounces back here and goes after Dynamite Kid. Valentine working on that uh, left knee of the Dynamite Kid. And in comes Brutus. That suplex, nice. Got him up there, got some good height, dropped him. Now, Brutus could work, man. I know that uh, people never really gave him a lot of credit, but, you know, he paid his dues. A lot of wrestling in Europe, went to Japan. And uh, great physique. And Brutus had it all. And a good friend in Hulk Hogan, which uh, certainly helped. Working on that uh, left arm of Brutus. Reverses out of that. Johnny Valiant looking on at ringside. There's the tag. In comes Valentine. He's the legal man in. Use that hammer right to the forehead of Dynamite Kid. Dynamite back on his feet. Yet to see Davy Boy in. And remember, this is three falls, so let's see how this, this goes. And in comes Brutus again. And a cover, but uh, that's a weak one. Now you're not going to get much out of that. And uh, this uh, this duo really trying to keep Dynamite in. I think they realized that uh, if they can... Oh, that was... Davy Boy was in there. Okay, so... And there's a forearm right to the side of the head. You know, that uh, Dynamite Kid and uh, Davy Boy, they're going with the short hair here. This is before the dreads and everything that it came came with it. But End of the ropes. 
Looked like he was trying to get a sleeper there, but missed. Goes for a cover. Instead, uh, Brutus comes back in. Dynamite's still in there. Oh, elbow to the top of the head. Brutus pounding away. Tries another weak cover here. And uh, working well together. Valentine, you know, moving around pretty well in this ring at this point in time. So good stuff. One after another. Into the ropes. Dynamite kid, man. That's a, a good stiff elbow. Staggers Valentine. He goes down to a knee. There's a headbutt. And uh, try to go in and get locks in that figure four. Remember, this is three falls. Is he going to get the submission here? Uh, Davy Boy tries to come in to break it up, but Brutus quick to get in there. And yes, we're going to get the first fall is going to go the way of the Dream Team. As Valentine gets a submission over the Dynamite Kid. And Dynamite, uh, we've seen, had uh, knee problems, so they were going to take full advantage. Mean Gene Oakland, busiest man in the building every time they did one of these shows. This is before I got there, folks, so I didn't get to do any of these. I would have loved to have, but I didn't get there till 87. And uh, thank goodness Dick Ebersol knew that uh, they couldn't have Gene do every single one of these interviews. He was doing, you know, so many. Well, wow, just slams into. Jeez. Yeah. So that uh, that probably did hurt, but I want to see the uh, the shot he took on the Sheik. Sheik took a boy took a blow to the back, and you could see those marks as he left the ring. So we've got uh, three falls in this. The first one went to the Dream Team. As they continue here in the second fall. As uh, Valentine trying to pull off the same thing, trying to get that figure four in there, and he, he's catapulted off by Dynamite as uh, he makes a tag and Brutus comes in to continue to work on that uh, right knee. And uh, Brutus, quick shot over there to Davy Boy to keep him out of the action. A little wishbone. And uh, the ref never saw the tag. They could have made it in there. So Valentine's might as well be the legal man in. Oh. That's, uh, you know, that's good strategy, right? You work on, you find an injured area, just keep pounding and pounding away as you break down your opponent. Brutus back in. There we go. As uh, we continue to sell that feud between uh, Roddy Piper and what's going on with him and the gang. Trying to goad Davy Boy 
And a nice good distraction here. The referee trying to get Davy Boy back gives them a chance to take a little cheap shot there. So we get into the second fall here. I'll tell you, this is taking up most of the show, and it will. I mean, we're only in the second fall. And Brutus, showing a good display here. Backbreaker, goes for a cover. Dynamite kicks out. There's the tag. And Brutus helping up the ref. Remind him, it's three, guys. It's three, guy. Three count. A little faster next time. Valentine off the, off the second rope. Ready to drop that elbow. Misses. As Dynamite trying to get over to Davy Boy and makes a tag. And Davy Boy has had a lot of time to uh, be nice and fresh. Clothesline takes Valentine off his feet. Drop kick. There goes Brutus. It lines up Valentine here. Holds him up. Let's the blood drain to his head before he drops him. Is this it? Is he going to get it? No, just two. Sets him up now for the slam, body slam. We'll see some power behind this, that's for sure. Boom. Oh, but Brutus comes in. Oh, boy, uses Brutus's back to jump off. A little, little short on it, but, man, it worked, right? Dynamite Kid in for the cover. And that evens things up. We got uh, one fall apiece as Valiant tried to come in and argue, but it's not going to do any good. Okay. Comes right down with a headbutt and goes for that cover and gets the count. And they want to remind you, you still get to see Kamala tonight. It's not going to be much. All right, so now we got the uh, the final fall here between the British Bulldogs and the Dream Team. And Jesse not happy with uh, the set of the rules they've got going here. Can't understand why what they're doing of all things European rules. Valentine, boy, just just vicious. And obviously pissed about the last fall that they had here. So now it just becomes a big fist fight. Dynamite, man. Goes after him with that chop and just knocks uh, Valentine off his feet. All, all of it taking a toll on these guys. Uh, it's going to be, by the time this thing's over, uh, this match, they're going to go for... Pretty much almost, what, uh, almost a half an hour uh, ring time. Uh, which was a lot for a show like this. Usually they'd keep those matches, you know, total. Uh, under 10 minutes if they're going to have something. 
But this is, uh, you know, it's been entertaining. I don't think they've lost anybody with this match. And uh, Jesse's uh, reporting here that uh, Donis has uh, suffered a, a shattered elbow at the, with the uh, that blow that he took with the crutch delivered by Roddy Piper. Uh, I don't know if that was officially confirmed, but that coming from the body. Down goes Dynamite. Valentine in for the cover. A quick one again. It doesn't even hold them down. And Jesse doesn't like the speed of that count either. Still pounding away on that right leg of Dynamite, which is, they've been doing this entire match. And he's going to try it again. And once again, uh, gets booted right out of, uh, out of that hold. This Dynamite Kid makes a tag, but Davy Boy doesn't even get a chance to get set before Brutus is all over him, swarms him. And really, at, you know, Brutus uh, at, uh, in his prime here looks good, uh, really, you know, very fluid in the ring. Clothesline, down goes Dynamite again. Nope, only gets two. He's got that uh, shoulder off the canvas. Brutus continues. Headbutt between the legs. Tries to hook the leg, but uh, doesn't, not even close. Davy Boy pulls him over, tries to keep Brutus down, but it's a shot right to the eye. Jesse's saying, no, no, he got the three count, but that's not what the ref is saying, so this thing goes on. Not one of the, what was that? Like the pirouette? What do you call that thing? So he kind of spun on Davy Boy with his boot. And as he shoves Davy Boy over into the corner... And Dynamite uh, has to look on helplessly as they continue to deliver the damage to Davy Boy. Knee right into the throat and another one. Valiant uh, happy about that. Likes what he's seeing over there. Just keeping Davy Boy in their corner where they both can take their shots. Yeah. And textbook suplex by Valentine. Tries again. And uh, short again. There's tag made. In comes Brutus. And the Bulldogs too, man. Uh, is, is, I've talked about before. You know, tag teams were huge in the WWF. And uh, it wasn't like you were getting relegated. You were getting tossed off somewhere if they put you into a tag team. Like with Brutus and Valentine. I mean, it it uh, it worked well. They got the belts for a period of time. And he bridges here, Brutus. And they uh, get it. Wraps him up, bridges, and gets the cover. So that's going to give the tag team champions, the British Bulldog and Dynamite Kid, the win in this three-fall match. 
Valentine, not happy. And that was, uh, you know, that was nearly a half an hour at ring time, guys. And I thought, I thought it was very entertaining. You know, it'd just be me. Look at Lanny. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what the hell he was doing at the time, right? He's throwing Frisbees. So you got, uh, uh, <laughs> God, Kamala <laughs> accompanied by the wizard and kimchi. They just threw everything at him. Whoever was around. You got it, got it all. Boy, you talk about a road map. That's a big city map on his forehead. Yeah, well, uh, the wizards reminded those are ancient tribal signs that he's wearing. Uh, Kamala. Wizard wasn't around for a long. He wasn't there when I was there. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, lots to say. Thanks. Nice chatting with you. And Lanny Poffo wearing, uh, what is that, like a perm? And Lanny. It's a little different there. Kamala, though, you know, of course, Lanny's showing uh, all of his exercised uh, uh, theatrics in the ring, showing his flips and cartwheels. But once Kamala gets a hold of you, <laughs> not a whole lot you're going to be able to do. Agile. Off his feet. That reverse kick slams him into the uh, turnbuckle there. I can't get over Lanny's hair. I'm sorry. And the porn stash. And he gets thrown right back onto his back. He wants to know, is it time? Is it time? Yeah. Oh, he misses there as Poffo trying to mount some offense here. Some good shots. Uh, Kamala pretty much uh, impervious to that uh, pain. Yep. Chops him right there with the throat and uh, big splash. Oh, he didn't roll him over and then have to roll him back over again. They made quick work of Lanny Poffo here. It was just an opportunity to roll Kamala out with his entourage. (laughs) Kimchi. Not having a whole lot of luck. He never had much luck controlling Kamala, right? And the wizard. Okay, you can get off him now. Hey, it's victorious. And 
Kamala just wants to deliver some more pain and more punishment here. Kimchi. They want them, uh, they're trying to control them. More from Cleveland. Richfield, Ohio. And Jesse with the snake pants on. Borrowed those from Jake. Imagine Damien didn't like seeing that. I wonder if we can do the double close again here. Jesse's, you know, uh, makes a great point here. Why, what, what did he do? What crime did he break uh, that uh, would have him removed from ringside? So somebody put him up to that. So uh, kind of an interesting uh, take there. But I'm surprised. I want to see the Sheik. I mean, I get this, man. He just, he did get, I mean, yeah, that didn't, that had to, that had to hurt. That had to hurt. But a pretty good lineup of matches, wouldn't you say? All right, stay with us. We'll be back for another close. There we go. They had to take another commercial break. That's why it was. You had to fit them all in. From L.A. All right. We get all of our uh, credits in there. With Dick Ebersol and Kerwin Silfies there, you know, Vince, of course, along with uh, Ebersol. This is a, a group uh, of, of uh, you know, some of the biggest names in, in television that would end up doing a, a lot more in the world of, of sports entertainment, shall we say. But uh, Dick Ebersol, man, a big, uh, you know, quite a, quite a, a, a an icon in the world of uh, network television. Very much a uh, big influence. And, and if it wasn't for him, this would have never happened. I don't think you would have ever seen the WWF in that situation, at least at that point in time. It may have been uh, uh, decades later. But um, what'd you think? I uh, I really enjoyed that episode. I did. I, th- I thought they uh, they really delivered on... Uh, a lot of times, you know, you just throw all these guys, guys together and there's not no real good storylines going on. It's just an opportunity to put all these guys in, you know, into these uh, situations where people get to see them. But, um, you know, uh, they were they were decent. All the matches, I thought, were, were good. Uh, so, you know, uh, that's, that's this is a Saturday night main event that you actually saw them really be able to deliver to the, the, the crowd. It wasn't just, oh, man, I get to see Hulk Hogan. Oh, man, I get to see the British Bulldogs. Uh, the, the matches were, uh, you know, interesting. The the promos, I, right off the bat, I thought that they were good. With, uh, you know, when they, they had all of them back-to-back uh, pitching these uh, you know, promos for these matches that were coming up. So that was cool. And, uh, you know, uh, once again, we have got to see Hulk Hogan as he faced Orndorff. And uh, this also showed that you could have these guys, even if they were involved in a storyline uh, in the ring on network television, people would still show up to see them. I think that uh, prior to that, you know, they had this idea, and, and it, I guess it held for, you know, ever, as long as they did house shows, that you didn't want to give it all away. You didn't want to, you know, because people would say, oh, yeah, I saw Hulk Hogan face uh, Orndorff on television. Well, uh, the other side of that uh, thinking is that, uh, boy, 
they moved along this storyline. These guys can't wait to meet again, and I'm going to get a chance to see him in person. And, uh, you know, seeing people like Ricky Steamboat and Jake Roberts, which was a, a great uh, pairing there, and, and they held the whole thing with the the uh, the caiman or the alligator or the crocodile, whatever it was, uh, at ringside. And it, uh, you know, it was kind of a circus um you know, event, you know, kind of a uh, an added uh, little thing to the the match, but it worked. You know, you got the snake, you got Damien, and then uh, Piper uh, being out of his mind uh, once again. Uh, really, nothing, no serious heat with with him and the Sheik, but then you had the whole thing with uh, Adrian Adonis, and then uh, you know the, the, that feud's going on. So even if he put any of those, if you're at a house show and you put Roddy against Morocco, you put Roddy against Adonis, or you put uh, even the Sheik again, you're going to get people that show up want to see that match. And then uh, the tag team uh, matchup between the British Bulldogs and the Dream Team, Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine, and they. Uh, that was great, and that, like I said, that was a lot of the show. That was, uh, you know, let's see, at uh, thirteen plus thirteen uh, minutes, yeah, like you know, almost a half an hour of ring time there. So uh, that was that was a, that was an interesting match. Now the Kamala match, okay, that was kind of a throwaway, but they just uh, wrapped things up. Maybe that was their time buffer because it had to fit a, a time period to make it all work. But uh, that's what you had. So there you go. Saturday night's main event. Uh, that uh, was taped on September 13th, 1986 at the Richfield Coliseum. Maybe you were there. Maybe you remember. Uh, It aired on October 4th, 1986 on NBC. So always love to do the Saturday night's main events. I hope that you enjoyed it. Um, uh, We've got, uh, you know, other shows that we've been doing, but always when we can do it on SNME, I'm always in. Uh, So, but you'll you'll see another one, but we also mix it up. Uh, I hope that... uh, you're going to catch the original episode this Wednesday as uh, we've got a, a, a great uh, uh, a prime time with Sean Mooney as we bring Aaron Stevens on. Now, Aaron uh, and I, we had done an interview a while back when, uh, even before I was doing stuff with the NWA. Uh, and uh, so I was still t- I was talking to the NWA at the time. And uh, so they didn't want me to put that interview out there until people knew what was going on and we had some technical difficulties with it. And so we pretty much, we just bagged that interview because I didn't, I didn't want it to come on months later and then it wouldn't be timely. And so we caught up again and I'm glad we did because with everything happening and he's basically on lockdown where he is, uh, uh, he's out in Los Angeles. Uh, and we had a really great conversation and it was really interesting to talk about everything that's happened since he's been with the NWA, but also, about his career and the road that he traveled uh, with the WWE and then, uh, you know, finding his way to the NWA. But in the meantime, starting this wrestling, I mean, uh, this acting career that he's had uh, some pretty good success with and uh, he's starting to get some notice and he's been on some big shows. So who knows where that's going to go? But uh, the bottom line is he talks about how um, he's got the best of both worlds. Uh, We're all waiting to see where, you know, where things are going to go. This is a really crazy time uh, with the uh, stay stay uh, at home orders across the country, and what's going to happen in the world of professional wrestling? A lot of these independent wrestlers are basically sitting at home, just wondering, okay, now how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to uh, you know put food on the table? These guys have families, and they were very dependent on 
going out every week to these shows all over the place. Uh, some of these, some of the wrestlers, of course, are very fortunate. They have contracts if they're with the WWE or AEW or some of these other groups. But there's a lot of them, thousands out there, who are making a re- really good living as professional wrestlers, but they were independent contractors. And when you're an independent contractor, if you don't work, you don't get paid. And so right now they have no idea. And it's hard for these promoters to uh, reschedule events. I had been invited to go over to um, Ireland in uh, the fall. And I, I haven't heard from them. I don't know what's going on with that event. And that's, that's months away. So you know over the summer, pretty much all of these events have been canceled. Nobody knows when it's going to we're going to get the all clear and everybody can go back to work. So you could imagine that the impact this is having on the industry and how long it will have an impact. Uh, hopefully people will not be afraid to go out. I think that they will be for a while. You, 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 there'll they'll be some that will go. But as far as just picking up where we left off, uh-uh, it ain't going to happen. And that's that's unfortunate because people are going to be very uh, leery, uh, very... Uh, hesitant, I think, at first to just go out and be around huge crowds, which would happen if you went to a wrestling match. And um, so uh, I think that this is going to have a big impact for a long time. Um, And it's not even as though these guys can go to work somewhere else because right now there's, you know, millions and millions of people that are out of jobs. They're filing for unemployment. So, so we can just pray that um, they're going to get some answers and find out what this virus is all about, uh, how to control it, that we'll see a, a downside to this as far as people, the number of cases, being people being tested positive for it, and also uh, people dying from it. And um, it's not just an old person's virus. It doesn't just go after people that are over 60 or whatever. It goes after everybody. We haven't seen a lot of children, which is thank God, but we are seeing a, a huge spectrum of uh, the adult population coming down to this. And it's great that a vast, vast, vast majority of people recover from it, but uh, you have to think about the fact that uh, if anybody is compromised, if they have underlying conditions, this virus can kill them, and you can be the one that passed it on to them. And that's why. They really need everybody to, to listen to what the experts are saying and uh, stay home as much as possible. Only go out when you really have to. Uh, stick around with your family or, you know, the people that you are with. Uh, you're not going to stay away from them, the people who live in your home, but you can stay away from other people. Uh, you can do the FaceTime. You can do the Zoom. I know a lot of people are Zoom conferencing. I did a, I did a, um, a FaceTime dinner with my kids. So there's a lot of things you can do. And as I said before, take advantage of this opportunity and and uh, stay in touch with uh, people that uh, you're close to. There's a lot of ways we can do it these days. You don't have to be there. And uh, help out those around you. If you've got some uh, elderly people in your neighborhood that you know may need some help, uh, you can always go to the store for them and just leave it on their doorstep. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do to help. So uh, I do want to thank you, though, for listening. And uh, stay safe. Please stay healthy. I'd love to hear from you. You can uh, email me once again at primetimemooney at gmail.com, primetimemooney at gmail.com. And we will continue to put up uh, great content every week. We've got uh, Mondays with our network classics. 
And then uh, Wednesday is a new episode, a brand new episode every Wednesday, original episodes of Primetime with Sean Mooney. And then, of course, we release uh, an episode from The Vault every Saturday. All these drop at 6 a.m. Eastern, unless, of course, you're a Patreon member, which, uh, of course, you get everything early and ad-free, absolutely ad-free. And if you'd like to get the content that way, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash primetimemooney, and you can join us there. Also, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, a lot of those uh, interviews that whenever we can, we get them on video. And I do a little intro on camera. And um, so you can, uh, you can check those out on YouTube. Just go to just search uh, Primetime Mooney. All right. Uh, as I said, uh, please stay safe. Uh, do what you can to protect you and your loved ones. We will get through this. In the meantime, take care. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out.